It is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is the New Hampshire News Recap. Every Friday, we cover the week's top stories, and this week, we're going back to school. The state's school choice program is officially underway. Meanwhile, local schools are still figuring out whether they'll mandate masks. Youth vaccination rates are still lagging. And we get an update on census data and its implications for the future in the classroom. Joining us now to talk about all of this is NHPR's education reporter, Sarah Gibson, and New Hampshire Bulletin's Ethan DeWitt. Good morning to both of you. Thanks so much for coming in. Glad to be here. Happy to talk. Okay, let's talk first about the school choice program. This was uh, big news this week. New Hampshire's new program is ready just in time for the beginning of the school year. The program creates an education savings account for families to pay for non-public school education. Now, earlier this week, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and former Education Secretary Betsy DeVos visited New Hampshire to promote that program. Sarah, can you explain the, the movement behind these accounts? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't much of a coincidence that uh, DeVos was here um, just celebrating school choice and um, and encouraging school the school choice movement in general because she actually um, had had a vision for kind of the federal version of the program that we're now seeing in New Hampshire called an education savings account. Um, federally, it didn't really get off the ground. However, we are seeing states across the country develop school choice programs called education savings accounts, where basically the money that would normally go to the public school where the um, student attends um, now goes to a parochial school, a homeschooling program, an online program, uh, once that student pulls out of their local public school. Um, And so that's what got kicked off um, officially this week. Uh, Families can still apply, and they wouldn't actually get that money until uh, November. Yeah, and DeVos and Pompeo are here to kind of hold New Hampshire up as some kind of model. Yeah, they're on a nationwide tour to promote school choice and really pointing to the pandemic as um, a kind of a catalyst for this movement, saying a lot of people have been um, dissatisfied with uh, how school reopening happened, what the kind of mandates are in schools for COVID mitigation, say, and that school choice is a great opportunity for those families who are dissatisfied with their public schools. So what alternative education options are available for families here in New Hampshire now? Well, there there are a couple, um, but really this education savings account looks to be the most expansive and the largest that we will likely see. Um, there was a, a scholarship fund, and, and, and still is, um, specifically targeted to low-income families. Mm-hmm. This education savings account uh, program is available to families should they make uh, below 300% of the federal income, uh, excuse me, federal poverty level. Um, and if they say in a couple years um, are using the program and they are no longer uh, making the, in, making money in that threshold, they will still uh, they will still be in the program. So you basically can't kick out a family should they become high income. They'll be grandfathered on. in it. Exactly. And, okay. Yeah. Ethan, do, do we know yet how many families in the state are, are taking advantage of this? Um, so we don't have hard numbers yet. That's not going to come for a couple months in October when the scholarship organization that runs this program um, has to make its first report to the Department of Education. Um, we have an indication, though, from the commissioner of the Department of Education uh, last week. He gave an interview to WMUR where he said the state's prepared to fund about 1,000 to 1,500 students in the first year um, based on their current read of how many how much interest there is. Again, that's that number is subject to change because um, so all these applications haven't been approved yet, but it is a significantly higher number than was originally projected by a lot of proponents and by state officials earlier this year. Uh, there was when they were kind of looking at 
they were comparing it to other states to see how quickly New Hampshire's program might get off the ground. And they said in the first year, there might be just a few dozen students, you know, 1500 students versus a few dozen students um, indicates a, a, you know, a, a, big, a big jump in sort of expectations of how many people um, would sign up. Um, and advocates say that this is a product of the pandemic of uh, remote learning, kind of um, inspiring more families to think about other options. Um, but critics say that this is a kind of a worrying indicator of how much the program might cost in the long term. Right. I mean, I imagine it could get rather expensive. Now, we should say that 1500 that's 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 interest. We don't know if that'll actually be the, the final number here this fall. But th- again, this could get expensive if those numbers hold. Does the state know how much this could end up costing altogether? No, and no, and the problem is, is that it's it's a such a moving target because it really, uh, you know, the the parents are approved by an organization that contracts with the state, um, and the, that organization tells the state how many ultimately signed up. Um, but as as Sarah noted, the kind of eligibility is such that you know, as as long as you live in the state and you make up to three hundred percent of the federal poverty line, which for a family of four is about just under eighty thousand dollars a year. So if your whole household makes about that much, then you're eligible. So it's it is hard to kind of follow how many students. Um, Commissioner Enoblitz said that up to eighty thousand students in the state could qualify, um, but he doesn't think that, you know, nearly that many will um, actually end up Mm -hmm. taking this route. But when it comes to deciding how much it costs, that makes it hard. Um, The state actually only budgeted $129,000 in its budget for this year, anticipating that there would only be a few dozen students. Um, If there were 1,500 students at an average um, cost of $4,800 per student, that would cost the state just under $7 million dollars. Um, again, we don't really know how it's going to shake out. The commissioner says that he's confident that there is the money, but the fact that the numbers fluctuate a lot has given critics some fuel to say that sure. this program is um, a little bit too loose and mm-hmm. needs more regulation. Absolutely. Can, can, can I jump in oh, there? Sure, Sarah. Sure. Well, I just, um, you know, I think in terms of these programs that we've seen elsewhere that uh, New Hampshire kind of based its estimates on, they're a lot more targeted. They maybe are just for families who were in the public school system at the time they applied. Whereas here in New Hampshire, you could have been sending your kid to a private school for years, but now apply for mm-hmm. the program. Um, or it's targeted to kids who are in failing schools or to kids who have special education needs. So, you know, I, I, New Hampshire's program is different than these other programs that we've seen in other parts of the of the country. And so, frankly, it's not incredibly surprising both to the proponents of the program who say there's a need for it and to some of the critics that there's a lot more interest here in New Hampshire than you would have seen in some other states. And, and Republicans have said they'd like to open up the program even further. Indeed, yes. Yeah. Um, yes. We, we've asked listeners to, to write in with their questions about, about the school choice program. You can do that by sending an email, by the way, to voices at nhpr.org. Um, we heard from uh, Becca from Stratford. She wrote in, religious or charter schools are not held to the same standards as public schools, i.e. opting out of state mandated testing. Funding, quote, choice takes money out of public school budgets and puts a larger tax burden on property owners. Is there a good explanation of alternative funding solutions that can be shared with towns. No one wants a new tax, but there must be a better way to pay for public education. Sarah, are you you hearing lawmakers address concerns like Becca's? 
Uh, I yeah, it comes up all the time. I mean, this this big question of how do we fund public education and uh, growing school choice programs that sometimes do cut into the budgets of existing traditional public schools. I do want to note that charter schools are public schools here in in New Hampshire, and so mm-hmm. there is a funding mechanism for them that relies on the state budget, um, not as much local taxpayers. And uh, just with this new school choice program we're talking about, the education savings account, families are not getting money to then send their kid to a charter school. Charter schools in New Hampshire are are public. However, there could be some online kind of charter schools or charter schools um, you know, you know, that aren't in New Hampshire um, that, that take advantage of, uh, of this money elsewhere. But uh, that's not what we're seeing here in New Hampshire. Okay. Unfortunately, I think we need to move on a little bit here. We have some of the things we want to get to in the recap. This is Morning Edition on NHPR. We are recapping this week's news with NHPR's Sarah Gibson and Ethan DeWitt from the New Hampshire Bulletin. Let's talk about school masks. This is obviously a big issue right now. Many students went back to school this week. I know my 11-year-old went back to school wearing a mask. I know everyone is hoping for some normalcy this school year. However, schools are identifying some positive cases already this week. Sarah, how, how are schools dealing with those cases in just the first week? Well, I, I've heard now about a Londonderry, but I, I imagine there will be other cases. I mean, look, the public health experts have told us there will be positive cases of COVID-19 in schools. It's inevitable. Um, and so the question is how to mitigate transmission in the building and keep kids in school so that we're not, you know, flipping into remote or hybrid instruction like we saw so much last year. Um, and, and many people think that can be avoided. So, for instance, Londonderry, masks are optional in general. However, uh, with people who had close contact with a positive case, they're being asked to wear masks um, and to monitor for symptoms. However, they're not having to quarantine or stay home and learn remotely in the same ways that we saw last year. Um, now the state has left the, those these masking, masking requirements up to local school districts. Some schools are revisiting policies as these cases rise, though. And I'm wondering, how are you seeing this play out in different districts, though, Sarah? You're, you're obviously talking to different districts. How does it play out in one district like Londonderry, where it's optional, and another district where it's not? Well, it's a huge public health decision that, uh, you know, is, is around an issue that is extremely politicized. So in some school, some some towns, school board members had enormous pressure from, in some cases, a small but very vocal minority of parents who did not want their kids to wear masks. They wanted masks to be optional. And in some of those cases, school board members said, look, I'm an elected official. I'm supposed to respond respond to the needs and concerns of parents just as much as public health guidelines, we're going to make masks optional. In other places, there's been tons of pressure to make masks optional, and school board members have voted to make masks um, required in in all uh, in all schools indoors, and they say they'll revisit that should transmission of COVID-19 significantly decrease, or should vaccination rates uh, here in New Hampshire or in their towns increase dramatically. Okay. Ethan, how, how are schools implementing COVID tests? for students and staff? Does a student need to have symptoms to be tested? This is a very kind of much like the mask question. It's, it's a very school by school um, kind of uh, result. Um, there are There is a program that the state has uh, uses using federal funding. It's called the Safer at School Screening Program. Um, and the idea behind that program is it, you're testing asymptomatic students who are in schools. And in order to kind of get ahead of any sort of clusters or outbreaks within the school. Um, And so the the state actually has $40 million available, but the issue is that the schools have to opt into that. And so far they've been a little bit slow to adopt it. Um, I think um, about 49 schools have signed up so far. 
as of a month ago, um, that number may have uh, increased recently, but that certainly isn't all the schools. Um, the idea behind the program is that you would take 25% of the student body every week, and by the end of the month, you would have tested 100% of them. Hmm. But so um, every student would theoretically be tested once a month. This, these would be opt-in testings if the you know if parents don't want to sub- subject themselves or their or their their children to to a test, then they wouldn't have to. Um, but that's one option. Uh, in terms of you know testing, in general for people who have symptoms, different school boards have passed different policies, and, and uh, a lot of them require kind of parents to um, self-attest. Uh, and their, their, their students to self-attest that they have symptoms. And many are emphatic that the, if, if you do have symptoms that you don't go into school, that you notify, um, you know, the school nurse, right. uh, and, and then get testing yourself. Um, and if you don't want to get tested, some schools have a policy that if you refuse to get tested, you're automatically in a 10 day quarantine, um, Te- you know, if you've shown symptoms, gotcha. so it, it is very much a kind of a patchwork system right now. Right, there is, there is a mechanism, but not enough schools so far have signed up for it. Well, unfortunately, uh, both Sarah and Ethan, we are out of time. There's so much more to discuss here on what's happening with masking schools, testing, and and of, of course, um, there was so much more we wanted to get to, but we'll hopefully get to that next time around. It is NHPR's Friday News Recap. He is Ethan DeWitt from the New Hampshire Bulletin, and she is Sarah Gibson, NHPR's education reporter. Thank you both so much. You're welcome. You can find more. You. Of, you can find more, more of their reporting, of course, at nhpr.org and NewHampshireBulletin.com. I'm Rick Ganley. This is Morning Edition from NHPR.